Can I ask you a question? You only got into minute. You didn't get points. <laughs> one forty. The arse. No way you're one forty IQ. Off the ball. Weekdays from seven PM on OTB Sports Radio. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to say we've got Neda Manua with us. Neda, good morning to you. How are you? I'm not too bad today, thank you. How are you? I'd say, uh, I, I presume, are you are you a Manchester City fan? I mean, everybody knows you're associated with the club as a player. I, are yes. you automatically... Okay. So, yes, I'm very much that, but I'm, I'm like the old school fan who is always pained and doesn't look forward to derbies, but I do enjoy these results, to be honest. Well, I was going to say, then this must be the afterglow of... Because, like... Whatever about the other big wins that City have had over the years in the Derby, this is one where you know this is a sweet spot that it it might not end for a while. This is like so dominant, so far ahead, so great. Best player in the world. It It, it can't get any better. Well, it obviously can because, you know, we could beat them or City could beat them 7-3 next time and so on. But I think the positive for me personally, having been involved in these derbies and watched them from a distance for so long, is that some of my friends are United fans. Their biggest thing they could say yesterday was, well, we won the second half and you guys thought you were going to celebrate 6-1. Ha-ha, it was actually 6-3. So it's, we've got City have come a long, long way. If these can be the conversations that are out there right now, what's what's that? What's that um, atmosphere like? You know, um, Ned, in between, like Man United fans, this is a fairly humiliating um, loss of that hierarchy. Where uh, you know, when I grew up, Liverpool, Liverpool were just on the decline and couldn't couldn't get past Manchester United. Now Manchester United are like they've been subservient to Liverpool, but like the the small Manchester City rivalry that existed is now like we're actually miles behind these guys yeah to be honest though even going into this game there have been times when United have won um, the Etihad before I think this Mm. game for some reason tends to favour the away team so as you arrive you never really know how the result's going to go but what we've seen over the last few years is that the result itself doesn't really matter as much as say it did when Vincent Company scored a header and City go on to win a league title and I think that's ultimately the shame because you can have the bragging rights but you know, these two teams, they, they aspire to win Premier League titles, to win other trophies and the like. So I think for the United standpoint, these would have been this would have been a very nice victory for them because they've won four in a row as well. But instead, they end up being humiliated. Now they're asking questions and they're sort of wondering how far away they are from City, who come the end of the season might win it all or might win nothing. I think um, it'd be remarkable for them not to win anything from this point given given how amazing Haaland is uh, we, we've run out of superlatives to talk about Haaland but we're going to need to find some new ones because um, you know uh, it's like oh, he's not going to score a hat-trick again is he he's not going to yes. score he's not going to score a hat-trick again is he and then it's like the third time could he could he do it again and now yeah. you know it's, it is ridiculous yeah, it certainly is. And I think history is kind of split, created two groups now. There are the people who've got Miss Captain and fantasy football and people who don't. And unfortunately, <laughs> I'm the person who doesn't. So I suffer every time the ball goes in. So it's a little celebration. But he's been absolutely incredible. And you do think it has to stop. It has to stop. But then in the same breath, you wonder why does it have to stop? Because some of the stuff that he's doing, although it is incredible, it's been assisted by someone like Kevin De Bruyne behind him, by Bernardo Silva around him, by Grealish, by Mares, by Foden. So the supply line is as good as probably any strikers. Probably just on that, Nedim, I think that, that, that that's a key thing. Right, if you look at Haaland's development, you look at him when he's playing in Germany. 
you need Haaland to be outside the box, basically, as much as you can. Keep him outside the box. It's It, it just seems to be, like, if you've any breakdown of the ball here, what do you do? I was watching the two centre-backs yesterday, and at no point were you comfortable that they had any idea what they were going to do when the ball came into the box to deal with them. They weren't, at, at, at times, they weren't even looking at him because, I don't know, they, they seemed as flustered as anyone else. Yeah, that, I, I would agree with that. And I think the third goal probably sums it all up because how is he able to have, essentially, what is just a first-time finish uncontested? when he's got basically 4v1 against him in the box. I think at times you really need to know where he's at all points. But then also you need to knock him off his stride. Like It's not to say that he's going to be stronger than him, but just slightly slow him down. Somebody try and engage with him. Maybe a winner header like he did over McTominay for his first, but at least make it harder for him. And I think that's where they kind of messed up overall because, you know, the 1v1 battles against him, nobody wants it. But as two centre-backs, you've got the numerical advantage. Can you disrupt him? But instead... You know, as well, probably didn't get helped by the midfielders because Kevin De Bruyne and the others were able to put great balls into the box. And lo and behold, if the ball goes into the right area, Haaland seems to find it, seems to score at the minute as well. Can I ask you just a little bit about Grealish and, and um, his role in all this? Because I thought he played really well yesterday, but it's not going to show up in the stats that no. everybody's like, oh, no assists, no goals, another one, he's a bust. But actually, mm. he was dangerous. He took players on, he made the right pass, he didn't give the ball away the way sometimes he's prone to do. Yeah. Are, are we seeing him... Finally, blossoming, fitting in, understanding what his role is. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, you'd like you'd like to think so. I think first in the fact that he was trusted to play in this game. You know, this is this was a big game. This is a big moment, and the team was getting a sense of momentum. So to know that Grealish is one of the main guys within that, that's a positive in itself. And I think you, you're right. The way he did play in that game was great. He's not ended up scoring. He's not ended up with an assist. But for example, he got Dallow a yellow card within the first five minutes of the game, mm. which then puts Dallow on the back foot. And Dallow in recent weeks and the four wins United have had, he's been able to be more front foot and be more aggressive with the people he's up against. So that type of thing suppresses you. And then the moment he's on the yellow, Grealish keeps running at him and he makes him uncomfortable. And this is where some of the spaces can come from because they know they have to defend him differently. So I think it's good to see him being like that. It's good to see him running with the ball, but more importantly, good to see him running without the ball and getting a sense of where he needs to be. And I think if he didn't play well, then the game wouldn't have gone as well as it did yesterday because for, for City, it was all 11 players that were really in sync. And that's why, you know, in the first half, they scored the four or whatever it was. And it could have been six, could have been seven. I think that goes a long way against a side who are doing reasonably well, we thought, in Man United. Yeah. And, you know, pre-season, if you told us that um, the, the team for the first derby was going to have the centre-back partnership that it had yesterday, people would have been like, no, that can't be the case. But, um, you know, it wasn't the first choice centre-back partnership is what we were told pre-game. Is it not now? Are they are they becoming first choice? <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know how he picks his centre-backs because in the past, I've seen him rotate them quite a lot. Like, I think two seasons ago when he went on a great defensive run, there was Stones, there was Diaz, and there was Laporte as well. And he would kind of mix them up. But I think it's just incredible the depth that they have. Obviously, you know, there's a lot to do that with the money that they have. But then it's the nature of the spending because Akanji being brought in, with sometimes people talk about him like he's been brought in from a mid-table championship side who's going to try and fill in for a couple of weeks. Like, this is a full-switch international who's playing Champions League with Dortmund beforehand. And then with uh, Nathan Ake playing in there, this is a full Dutch international. You know, and say, oh, but is he this? He's just been playing alongside Virgil van Dijk for the past two weeks on international duty. So even though they may not appear to be our first choice, they're still very, very good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there at the football club. And I think the way that they played with the level of aggression, the speed that they had, and overall, you know, suppressed United very, very well in that first half. And that kind of broke their spirit. So first choice doesn't necessarily mean that the drop-off is going to be that great as far as City go but it might lower the ceiling perhaps just a little bit. Yeah. I just wanted to ask about them specifically as players. So what type of centre-back is Akanji? Obviously, we've seen him now play for, for City mm. in big games. He's getting picked. 
we had an interview with him a little bit earlier on from the post-match where he just looks like a really confident lad who mm. knows exactly I, I should be here I deserve to be here you know um, what, what, how would you describe him as a centre-back? Um, so from what I've seen of him from his time at Dortmund and now his time at City, you know, somebody who's very composed on the ball, but more importantly, from the defensive standpoint, he's always wanting to engage with the striker. So you're never really going to have a ton of time to get the ball turned, run at him and so on. And he's very competitive. Do you know, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, my friends when he's played in Vincent Company. Like Vinny was incredible. One of the things I admired the most about him was the fact he was relentless. And Akanji kind of has that feel to him. You know, if a ball's coming in the box, he wants to get his head to it. If somebody's coming short, he wants to go with him. If someone's going to run in behind, he's going to contest everything. But like I say, more importantly for the City side, he's very, very calm and composed on the ball, makes good decisions, doesn't want to go and play 60, 70-yard diagonals, just wants to play the right pass, wants to stop attacks, and he doesn't dive in. And I think that's one thing that attackers kind of hate. They hate defenders who don't dive in because then they have to work harder to get past them. And then Akanji, the moment you get too close, his physical presence will come in and the way he reads the game, and before you know it, he'll take the ball away from you and then start the next attack because he's so front foot with the way he wants to play as well. He might be first, sorry, he might yeah. be first choice for the rest of or at the moment. He might be first choice. So it's, it's him plus one, is it? Like that's, I'm wondering. Is... No, nah, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say that. Right, Just okay. because with having Ruben Diaz on the bench and Laporte being on the bench as well, needing game time, coming into this month leading to the World Cup when they've got nine games or whatever it is, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw multiple partnerships purely based on the nature of the teams they're playing against. And just how many minutes people have had in the in the weeks leading up to it. So I wouldn't read too much into it until the end of the season for City because that's when I think they tend to stick with the same side. Now, then we, we've been on since half seven this morning. We've only like five or six minutes left, and Jerry's asking questions about Manchester City's defensive pairing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? Like I am wondering with Guardiola, right? He is striving for perfection after the yeah. Newcastle game. I, I got the impression from him, he's like, okay, it was 3-all. Wow, that was an amazing game of football, and we contributed. Yesterday, like, does he even care that they're conceding? They are coughing up goals here and there. Does, 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 yeah. it, does it matter anymore? Or will it, will, it, like, will it be that problem again in the Champions League where they come up short? Because they're just going to score eight if you score seven. Yeah, I think, there was, I think it was a bit conflicted because I was at the game yesterday and I was in the press area. And one thing which I saw at the start of the second half, he was very, very animated, more so than he'd been in the first half. And this was, this was before United had even scored their goal. He was getting very, very frustrated with the little details. And I think that's where his success comes from. It's mm. the sort of understanding of the details. And he's trying to run to the players, do this, do this, do this. And they were slightly getting it wrong. And they were being punished for it. So even though the team scored three and they've won, you know, there'll be some level of disappointment because you'll have a sense of sympathy for Edison in goal. You'll have a sense of sympathy for the defenders in terms of people working harder in front of them. And he doesn't want to have, in my opinion any sort of drop in standard. You can, the game can still be 4-0 and you can go 0-0 second half and just seal the deal. But I think they showed some weaknesses which maybe he won't be happy with. He'll take the six goals, he'll take the three points. But again, he's a perfectionist which is why he's uh, been as successful as he has been. And De Bruyne as well, you know, considering it took him time to get fully fit last season, um, mm. the, like Phil Foden got a hat-trick yesterday and nobody's talking yeah. about this. He got a hat-trick in a, in a Manchester derby a, yeah. An amazing hat trick, but then De Bruyne, like De Bruyne, some of his passing this year, and I know it's De yeah. Bruyne, but it's like, holy crap! Like this guy's yeah. back. Yeah, it, it's it's great to see him playing week in week out, looking like he's enjoying his football. Because I think at the start of last year, off the back of the Champions League final, where I think he broke his cheekbone or something, off the back of the Euros, where he's tired as well. You know, that first bit of the season last year wasn't the best for him, but now he's enjoying it. He's enjoying having somebody who he can try and play these balls to. And he's reaping the rewards because the guy who's playing them too keeps to be, seems to be scoring all the time. And he's really, really confident, really understands his role within the team, one of the senior players within it. And that's 
the look of somebody who's very, very settled, somebody who's happy. And it's a joy to watch because some of the balls he plays, it's the type of thing which in theory we see, but in reality we can't play. Yeah. But for him, he sees it, he plays it, and somebody's there and somebody scores. So he's basically playing a video game. When when he's at his best, he's basically playing a video game. We, That's we, the only way I can we did speak it. about that, the, the ball to Haaland as well for the second. Is that like, did this actually happen? It's just like, because you're yeah. defying a lot of things by this. The, the way that the pass is insane, but like, can any striker engineer that sort of position and make it mm. almost look very, very straightforward as well when it was ridiculous? Yes, it certainly was. And it sort of makes you think, so for me as a former defender like I look I'll, every time I see a goal I wonder like what was the cause and I wonder what mm. could, I could have done myself and the answer is nothing the speed that Harlan is pulling off to the back post and the nature of the ball that Kevin De Bruyne puts in you know that's the type of stuff where you hold your hands up and say that's special that really really is special and I think in some ways we need to make the most of seeing these sorts of link-ups because it's as good as I think we've seen in Premier League history yeah and, and look you you, uh, you introduced the, the fans stereotypical note of caution let's not get too carried away or actually let's live in the moment and enjoy this because who knows like is this the one season where Pep Guardiola stays wins the Champions League and rides off into the sunset how long does De Bruyne and Haaland and this group stay like no team is ever the same from season to season so I don't know yeah, it's it's a tough one because it seems like you don't know what the future looks like for City. You know, obviously I'm a bit biased with this, but I'd like to see them win a Champions League, not least because they've been one of the best teams in Europe for the past few years anyway. I think that sort of accolade for them will be a, you know, be a huge badge of honour for the football club and the players that have been involved. You know, obviously it requires a lot of good fortune, a lot of good play, you know, and, and there are tons of really good teams in Europe at this moment in time. But that would be nice. But it'd be a shame if Pep ended up leaving. But then also, it's not within his nature to stay as long as he has done already. So you're always wondering, like, what's next? But if Pep leaves at some point in the future, if it's off the back of success, it is what he is. He deserves the right to go wherever. And then whoever comes in has got some of the best players in the Premier League and in world football, just ready and willing to go. So, yeah, who knows? I'd like to see them do well. I'd like to see them dominate, but only if they're playing well. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be. That's what it's going to need to take for them to be able to lift up that trophy, which they've not such yet. Nobody can stop them in the Premier League this season, though, right? Not even this Arsenal side. Well, hey, listen, Arsenal, Arsenal still top. Arsenal still top. Arsenal. This is the this is the thing that I think goes missing sometimes. Like if you beat the say the bottom ten teams twice over, that's sixty points. Mm. You know, and Arsenal are beating teams who are down there. Arsenal could lose twice to City and still go on and win a Premier League title. So for context, like it's about the consistency. That's why Liverpool, Swiss City, that's why they get those 90 plus points every year. It feels like it's not necessarily because they beat each other head to head. It's all the other stuff. So I think for City, they have to continue to do what they've done historically. And for Arsenal, can they manage to maintain this sort of like ruthless nature, which they have, especially as the season progresses? Because they're playing U- uh, Europa League. So that's Thursday, Sunday. And also Thursday, Sundays, they hit a bit differently to the Wednesday, Saturdays, like you'll sometimes play in, the, in Champions League games. After a derby win like that, you just accidentally have to call in on all your Manchester United supporting mates for the next uh, week or so. Listen, I, I do not have to do that. I do not have to do that. But my concern was that if City lost, they'd all remember my number again. But <laughs> I'm just going to say, now I'm going to see United fans say, I'm really sorry, but I'm sure better times are ahead. Oh, it's the patronising. That's like, it's very rare you yes. get to patronise your mates, but uh, you, yes. you need to take advantage of it every time you do. Nedim, brilliant exactly. to have you on. Thanks a million for making the time for us. Really appreciate it. Yes, Cheers. Th- Thank you very much. Cheers. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 